This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. On today's episode, we are joined by Casey Ames, the founder of Harkla. Harkla is a newer business that focuses on creating and delivering high quality products for special needs children and children with autism. Today, Casey shares about his journey starting and growing Harkla for the past 14 months. Harkla and Casey have experienced a rapid spike in growth their first year, hitting $260,000 in revenue. Casey shares the ups and downs of his story, and we wrap up the podcast learning about Casey's thought on why we should avoid the famous 10,000 hour rule. And without further ado, let's welcome Casey Ames to the show. Welcome, Casey, to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. Let's jump into you and how you built up your business. So give us a background of Casey Ames. Yeah, so it really started, and I can't remember how I came across it, but I read The 4-Hour Workweek in college, and that's when I decided I was going to be an entrepreneur. I had no idea what that really meant because <laughs> um, my prospects for the future were either to uh, use my philosophy degree to become a philosophy professor because that's all it's really useful for in the in the practical sense um, uh, or to just be a soccer bum and go play in lower leagues um, in other parts of the world so those were the two options then I read the four-hour work week and I was like hey maybe I can do something so I started a soccer nutrition site um, and that ended up being a failure um, at least monetarily wise, but I did learn WordPress and I learned uh, SEO enough to eventually get an apprenticeship um, with a guy named Chris Guthrie. Um, he runs a few a few software companies called Salesbacker, uh, Boost WP, uh, Amasuite. And so he's, he's a serial entrepreneur. Um, and so I applied and got an apprenticeship with him. Um, and then I worked for him for two years, um, just starting with building him an affiliate site um, over a summer, uh, which kind of was kind of part-time, but it quickly grew into full-time. And then he let me uh, basically take over uh, the marketing for one of his software companies. Then I helped him out with a bunch of other stuff. Um, so I basically just learned how to run an online business from him. Um, and then... He started a running gear company, but he got distracted with his newest software company uh, that really took off. So he helped, he let me hop on that. Um, and then uh, around that time, I decided I wanted to do my own thing. And so he said, cool, uh, help me hire somebody to replace you. And uh, so we launched uh, Harkla. Um, which is our, uh, which is a company that makes products for children with autism um, and other special needs, and um, so that was about 14 months ago. Um, and we started on Amazon, but we've been growing off of Amazon uh, into more of a full-fledged brand than what a lot of people uh, expect of Amazon sellers. And so it's been 14 months of ups and downs, and trying not to fail, but having some good wins. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, about a year later, uh, here we are. 
So you've experienced quite a bit of growth during the past 14 months. You mentioned that you started basically at zero and produced around 260000 in revenue in the first year and then on track to do around 700000 for year two. So that's really impressive. And so I think there's a lot of tidbits that you could share that I think the listeners would really appreciate. Let's start with the idea for Harkla. You mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned we, so I'd like to know who's working on the business with you. And then where'd you guys get the idea for Harkla? Yeah, so we is just uh, an investor advisor. Um, he, he likes to remain anonymous, so um, okay. I won't share his name. But uh, he, And the we has kind of become habit. It's really just me at this point. I'm actually making my first hire right now. Um, we just makes it sound like a lower, more legit company than that, just a dude in his coffee in a coffee shop from his computer. That's a that's a Richard um, Branson strategy. He always says, "You always say we, don't say I. Say we, no matter what." Yeah, I guess I just picked it up from not wanting people to think I'm just <laughs> a dude in a coffee shop. But uh, um, yeah, so Harkla started. Um, we kind of fell into it a little bit with. Uh, I was doing research on products and what would sell well, and we came across um, we had a we had a long list of products um, that would do well on Amazon about a year ago because it was just the easiest way to start a business a year ago. It may still be this year, uh, depending on what strategy you're using. Um, but it was just literally if you made a good product and put it on Amazon and then had a few marketing tactics, it would it would do pretty well. Um, and so we were doing all our research based on Amazon, um, and we came across a sensory swing, um, which gets used for children, um, in therapy. Um, and then, so the reason we decided to go, uh, and create products for children with autism is my family's all in education. Uh, my dad's a superintendent, my stepmom's, uh, the principal of a high school and my mom is a kindergarten teacher and they don't split out special ed, um, at that age, so she has children with autism in her classes, and so uh, it was just, you know, I always figured I would end up in education somehow, um, but this route just seemed to be calling, so uh, I've been able to have them give me great feedback on products, they buy them for their districts, um, and so that's kind of how Harkla was born, um, just through the connection of my family uh, and wanting to, just having the urge to start my own company. Do they deal in special education, or are they just working with education in general? Uh, my dad being the superintendent, he's he has uh, somebody in charge of special education for his district, um, mm-hmm. and then they have special ed classes in every class. Um, so he, I went with him, we toured, and I met everybody. Uh, and then my stepmom's the same, uh, being the principal of the high school. She has a special education director underneath her, who is a family friend. Uh, so I got to meet with her and, uh, get advice on products and, uh, advice on our current products. And then my mom does teach, but just cause they don't split out the classes in, in kindergarten. So she does teach children with special education. Okay. This is really cool that you don't have a background in special education, but you're creating products for children who really need stuff like this. And a couple of questions. First off, on your website, it looks like you only have five or six products. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So that's great. I mean, you've hit 260,000 year one with five or six products. So I'm curious, how did you design them? Where'd you get the ideas? I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into that, how you got the ideas for the designs. And then where do you have them manufactured? 
Yeah, so uh, to design them, I I do do a bunch of keyword research, and um, we have a Facebook community and email list at this point, and then uh, the connections through my family and connections I've built now. Uh, I work with U- University of Washington Autism Center, um, so that's where I just kind of gather what products are out there, what needs to be improved in general, mm-hmm. um, and then I dive deeper into Amazon reviews, looking at the top rated critical reviews is actually like the best place to get any Amazon review. Even if you're looking just like for like the next book to read, mm-hmm. look at the top rated critical reviews because it's usually the most intelligent review on the page. And so I'll look through yeah, just hundreds of reviews of similar products. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I'll just use very rudimentary screenshots, arrows, uh, lots of written up notes. And I, uh, to create kind of like a Frankenstein of like what people are saying about products in general, what people are saying specifically they wish that these products had. Um, and then I send those over to uh, a sourcing agent I have in China. And so we have them manufactured uh, mostly in northern China at this point, but anywhere really uh, the sourcing agent finds the best factory for the highest quality. Um, and so we, we uh, using this technique, I'm, it's pretty simple, but we like all of our products are the highest rated in all of our categories simply because we just make a Frankenstein version of like people. I love this part of this one, but I dislike this part. It's like, well, we won't include that part. Um, so we, we actually have the highest rated, um, products in each of our categories on Amazon simply because we do that. And then if we get any, uh, bad reviews or good or like, critical feedback we reiterate so like every every order we put in could be slightly different uh simply to improve the product and um we you know we make enough to to live so like i'm willing to uh, lose some margin if we're just making a better product let's talk about the growth of your business during this time have you been shocked with the first year of growth uh, absolutely yeah the swings were doing okay mm-hmm. at the start but uh when i launched the weighted blankets um, they just like took off. Um, and it turned out that like, so I created this Frankenstein weighted blanket that had everything people wanted and none of the stuff they disliked. And it just immediately took off cause it's like the only one that you can take apart duvet style, wash at home. Uh, it's made with the best fabric. It's really the only weighted blanket made in the way it is. Um, and it's also applicable beyond autism. Um, it's actually been shown to have uh, positive effects for just people with anxiety disorder or sleeping disorders. So uh, while the company focuses on autism, this product sells across uh, different categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really surprised me in the summer. And then I lucked out, and I have no idea how this happened, but a video went viral about the benefits of weighted blankets right around the same time the holidays hit. Uh, and sales just went through the roof for... Uh, November and December. And this video got like 34 million views. And I immediately saw a spike in in sales and traffic. And just to give you an idea, uh, like there was 10x the surf tra- search traffic mm-hmm. um, around weighted blankets because of this viral video that I had nothing to do with. But I appreciated <laughs> it. I bet, man. So yeah. how was that for you being a solopreneur handling the spike in sales with the weighted blanket during the holidays, did you feel overwhelmed or were you were you in panic mode or work mode or what was going through your mind? Yeah, so that was 
like the most relieving moment actually of the year. Um, I mean, just cause all the systems are set up in place to handle that much, uh, that much purchases. Cause I've outsourced all the, um, all the fulfillment and everything. So like that many, you know, it just added a lot more customer service stuff, which I'm hiring for now, but it was nothing unbearable, but it was like the moment before that when I had a bunch of anxiety of like, I had so many weighted blankets in stock and I was worried I wasn't going to sell through them for the holidays and like bills were coming up to pay vendors. And so there was this, all of this anxiety right before that. And then it just like came out of nowhere. And so that was actually a very relieving moment. And since I had the system set up in place, it wasn't very stressful at all. Was Christmas time the biggest spike in your sales? Yeah, that was really uh, November, December was the uh, hockey stick growth um, of the company. Um, And then it continued on into January. February, not so much. We have stock issues, but March uh, should be really good because we're just getting back in stock right now. Um, But yeah, that, that really set it off. And then it uh, I was surprised how much it continued into January. How are you going to handle year two compared to year one from what you've learned in the past 14 months? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to, what I am started doing is just taking on as much money as possible. Uh, there's, whether it's through credit lines through a bank, um, a few friends or family lending money, um, companies that lend money to startup companies just because cash flow has been our biggest uh bottleneck at this point is mm-hmm. like ordering enough inventory to stay in stock all the time wow i have a list of 20 products that are pretty much ready to launch we just don't have the cash to launch them yet um so that'll be a change is just trying to take on a lot of money and also hiring a team will probably be the biggest change i'd probably i'd like to make three to four hires uh in 2017 and you're getting ready to hire your first team member, correct? Yeah, we're just uh, actually in like the third round of uh, the process at this point. And what's your first team member going to do? What's your first hire? Uh, they're going to be a customer service agent. Uh, will be the well, the term we use is a Harkla Happiness Ninja. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, which, yeah our uh, our demographic loves it, and it's kind of fun. Um, but. That'll be their main job, and then they'll help with admin stuff, like making sure inventory is in the right warehouse at the right time. Um, but since it's just me, uh, they could take over social media. If it, A few of the candidates look like they have the good fit to take over social media and some of the blogging, which I'll be happy to hand off because social media is not my strong suit. Um, so, But mostly just customer service and admin at this point, but it depends on who the, how capable the candidate that I hire is. Now... What are you looking for in a good hire? There's a lot of digital entrepreneurs that, you know, go to the Philippines or Eastern Europe for cheap labor. And there's a lot of people that argue, you know, go to the U.S. or Canada for somebody who understands more of a Western mentality around business. So I'm kind of curious what you're looking for in a hire and why you decided to do that. Yeah, so it turns out that, like, the majority of the best candidates up to this point actually came from my customer email list. So I, I emailed out um, that I was hiring um, to our to our just our customer list and our newsletter list, and I posted it in our Facebook group, uh, which is Autism Parent Support Group. And a lot of our best candidates have come from there because uh, the person I'm looking for is somebody who just understands uh, what these families need um, and that like helping a family raise a child with autism is more important than like not giving somebody like a refund or something like that. So we have very 
customer-friendly policy. So I wanted somebody who encapsulated that. And the best person, it seemed like, would be somebody who was already familiar with the company, um, possibly raising a child with sensory processing disorder or autism or special needs. Um, and so uh, what I thought is if somebody had to raise a child with special needs, oftentimes they have to, like, at least, if they ca- if they can, uh, one of the spouses will quit a full-time job because there's so many therapies to do, um, and it's, it's like a full-time job raising one of these uh, special children. And um, so uh, I was hoping to find somebody who left a, uh, a job that they were very capable of but had restrictions uh, and a flexible job at home that had a lot of room for growth was appealing to them and so it seems like I've gotten a good handful of those people uh, going into the, the final rounds of interviews at this point. Now your Facebook group, is it a private Facebook group or public? Uh, it's it's private. I mean anybody can okay. find it but you have to be approved to get into it. And mm-hmm. how did you grow that group? Uh, a lot of contests. Um, okay. So yeah, like giving away our full product line um, if you join the group um, and then using Facebook ads to promote stuff like that. So it's at like 650 right now. So it's relatively small, but it's only two or three months probably old. Um, and there's some other ones. Um, there's only one other autism, uh, parent support group, but it's at like 60,000 people. Um, so there's a lot of potential for it there and it's just cool to, uh, we have some professionals in there as well who help answer questions, but it's just great to see people helping each other in there. What are you doing for advertising? Uh, yeah, so we were doing some Google shopping, um, you know, just general retargeting, uh, mostly on Facebook. Uh, and then we'll run Facebook ads for certain events. So like if I'm doing like the last couple of weeks, we were doing a giveaway, uh, just to build the email list. So I was running Facebook ads for that, um, but I have done some video Facebook ads in the past um, that were doing pretty well. Uh, but Google Shopping was actually is actually a really good avenue for us. So I moved uh, what was being spent there uh, over to Google Shopping. So that's where our focus is right now. Um, and a little bit AdWords. But uh, yeah, mostly on the Google platform right now, unless I'm trying to promote something specific on Facebook. Any key tips or secrets you could give the listeners on advertising through Google, Google AdWords, or Google Shopping? A lot of it is you're gonna you're gonna lose some money up front while you explore keywords on which convert best um, for you. So like lose money up front, get a lot of data, um, and then get good at Excel because um, you can export a lot of this stuff. Uh, and then figure out which keywords are working best and converting best. Um, and have Google Analytics set up before you start running any of this. So you know, all right, this keyword's like, you may not be getting an ROI immediately. Um, but if you're getting a lot of email signups from it, uh, if you know the conversion rate of your email list and your average customer lifetime value, um, then you can really, you know, start to ramp up the spend. Um so, yeah, just get good with data, um, but also uh, customer lifetime value is a really good number to know, so you know how much you should be spending uh, on acquiring a customer for their first purchase. Uh, Drew Sanaki talks a lot about this, uh, e-commerce and data. Uh, I'd recommend checking out his podcast if you want to dive into that specifically. 
Now, Casey, I, I hear you're good with sales funnels. Can you take us through your sales funnel creation process? A lot of it started with copywriting. Um, so I think that's the basis of any good funnel is good copy. Uh, and so while I was working for Chris, I actually took like I it was like my own class on copywriting. It was like an hour a day every day for about a year. Um, I would read uh, like the most random recommended books on copy, um, rewrite classic uh, sales copy letters um, and just spent about a year doing this. And so like all the foundation of a good sales funnel is good copy really. Um, but the sales funnel now is uh, basically a, a way to entice them into joining your newsletter so you can start to build a relationship with them. Um, and then thinking about what barriers to purchase there are. Uh, so for a lot of people, they may be checking out other products. Um, they may be wondering if it's worth it. Um, and so the way I do it is like, over seven-ish days, I'll you drip out um, trust-building um, content. So some of it is videos by users uh, using our products, um, videos demonstrating the products, uh, the science behind the products, what the experts say about the products, uh, customer testimonials about the products. And so you drip these out uh, and you wrap it all in being positive content, not selling content. So like, like how could a weighted blanket help you or like three ways to improve your child's sleep uh, and a weighted blanket is one of them. So you drip out this content that just kind of builds the, the trust with your company and the trust with your product that it'll work and it'll uh, hold up to the promise you make the customer about it. Um, and so that's uh, how our sales funnel is running now and it's converting actually very well. Um, so... Yeah, so that's just the way is you, you just got to think about what's in the customer's head, what's stopping them from buying, and how can you wrap content in a way, or wrap sales in a way uh, that makes it just seem like positive content for them. Casey, after going through the first year of your business, what would you do differently? A lot of things. <laughs> um, I probably would have kept working for Chris before starting my own company. Like I would have started more on the side um, just because I felt like the way it went is like I had this small investment to start the company uh, and I started taking a salary out of it. And so it was kind of like I just decided to jump off this cliff um, and try and build the company on the way down mm -hmm. before I hit the ground. Um, when it, like, it would have been perfectly okay with Chris um, to keep working for him and just build the company on the side, just focusing on the highest leverage stuff, um, and which would leave more money in the company, which would allow us to buy more stock, launch more products faster. Um, and so I think that was a major mistake of thinking it had to be all or nothing when starting the company, when it really could have just been like a slower roll, uh, work for Chris for another six months while the company ramps up, uh, and then start taking a salary out. Um, so that's one mistake. I really felt like I made. And then I think um, waiting too long to start doing SEO for uh, for our own site. Um, I actually know SEO pretty well from working with Chris uh, when I was first hired to build a, an affiliate site for him. Um, but I just didn't get started on it because I just didn't want to 
take the time to write articles because you know if you're going to succeed in seo the articles have to be really good and then the articles around autism and the keywords uh they have to be pretty scientific based um and so just i didn't want to spend the time and so like you know here i am a year later thinking my traffic could have been doubled if i had just taken you know a few hours a week to do research and write um and then a couple extra hours to edit and just publish um so those are probably two of the biggest mistakes i think i made Casey, you have a personal blog where you wrote a really good article, I thought, about the 10,000-hour rule. Actually, it was titled, Why You Should Ignore the 10,000-Hour Rule. And for those that aren't familiar with it, it's Malcolm Gladwell's rule where basically you become an expert after 10,000 hours of practice. Your article is why you should ignore it, and it has a really good argument against it. So can you share why you decided to write this and some of the things that you mentioned in the article that were good arguments against Malcolm Gladwell's theory? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that article, just to start out, my, my beef with the 10,000-hour rule is uh, it, it makes it very daunting. Um, like I, I grew up playing soccer and I played in college and I just remember like thinking if I have to be good at this, I have to do 10,000 hours and just like, like having always that on the radar, that's like a, a really long time. And so like, I think for a lot of people that could make it really hard to start something is to think, well, if I'm going to be great at this, I have to do 10,000 hours when in reality it's like, you don't, you know, you just need, you know, it's the 80-20 rule. You just need to do 20% of the things that get you 80% of the results. But if you're focusing on this 10,000-hour rule that's gotten passed around so much, um, then it makes things daunting to start. And especially being an entrepreneur, it's like the one good thing you can do is just start stuff. Um, you know, like you can listen to as many podcasts. You can talk about starting a business as much as you want. But until you start, like you're never really going to get anywhere. So like having the 10,000 hour rule in front of people uh, makes it like a giant hill to climb when it when really there's a lot of shortcuts um, to learning stuff, whether it's finding a mentor or uh, moving to a city that specializes in um, in what you want to accomplish, uh, having great coaches. And then also like 10,000 hour rule just kind of ignores genetics. I could put 10,000 hours into basketball, but being 5'5", five, five, I don't think I'll make the NBA. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, just all of it added up to just, it kind of bothers me that that rule gets thrown around so much and it just makes everything seem so daunting when it when it really just doesn't have to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Are there any other rules out there similar to the 10,000 hour rule that you dislike? Um. I mean, a lot of societal rules, uh, like having to go to college or finish your college degree. Um, I did finish college, but I know more and more people are not doing that. Um, and it's becoming less necessary. Um, I mean, as a caveat, you know, if you're going to be a doctor, you got to go to school. You can't learn surgery through YouTube um, or engineering. Um, but a lot of people who I, I like undergrad, I think it's a very good social exper or experience for people. Uh, you learn to live with other people in a very safe environment. Um, but going to graduate school as a good idea to the to answer the question of I don't know what I want to do um, just seems like a like everybody applauds it and nobody really questions people why they're going to grad school. It just always sounds like a good idea. Um, but instead like 
just taking a year to learn a useful skill um, can pay dividends. Um, I know my, my girlfriend about a year or a half ago was wondering if she could go to grad school or not. Um, and she's, she's a, she's an artist. So she's wondering if she should go learn graphic design in school. And a lot of people were telling her, uh, mixed answers. Um, and one person actually like one of, uh, somebody she thought was a mentor was telling her to go. Um, and she ended up not going and now she makes a full-time living doing graphic design, working from her computer. And like this person, is not very supportive of her just because of the rule in their head that you have to go to graduate school and have a degree in graphic design to be a graphic designer. And it's just like these societal rules that just are out of date because of how easy it is to learn things online. Uh, those bother me. <laughs> <laughs> Good share, man. Casey, we're going to wrap up there, my friend. If the listeners want to reach out and get a hold of you, where's the best place they can find you? Probably Twitter is the best, at Casey Ames. Um, it's probably the social media I'm most active on. Um, but they can always feel free to email me, Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, at harkla.co. Um, yeah, and I'm happy to uh, be available in the comments for any uh, questions or, or comments. Casey, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your tips and tricks and wisdom. And congratulations for your first 14 months in your business. And I hope you hit that 700K mark for a year or two. Thanks, Chris. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And listeners, we're going to wrap up there and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those that are in the Entrepreneur House, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, we have three different events, a three-day productivity weekend in different cities all around the world, a two-week all-inclusive retreat for entrepreneurs with six-figure businesses. This will be full of workshops, masterminds, and adventure. Then a four-week event in Chiang Mai, Thailand for established entrepreneurs, also full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. These events will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested in have some questions be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact we will respond as soon as possible for now saludos from somewhere in the world